Welcome back to another episode. Today I'm here with Dom, Rico, Benny. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You have a degree in film directing from Art Center College of Design. We were just talking about that for the podcast. So you're based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Tell me about your journey leading up to what you're doing now and uh, a little bit about your background, and then we'll go from there. Gosh, I guess I've been uh, creating my whole life. I, in high school, I got a, I think it was a 2.1 GPA because I was nice. bus- busy uh, making films with I my I was friend. a terrible student too. I could totally relate. I probably, yeah. I might have been lower. I don't even know what it was. That's how much I uh, didn't care. I didn't even know what it was. So. Oh yeah, right mine was awful. But um, <laughs> so I, I really didn't have any chance to get into any traditional universities. So mm-hmm. I applied to Art Center and uh, they liked my portfolio and they I was lucky enough for them to accept me. So I was pretty young when I went there. All my classmates were probably five, ten years older than me. But um, yeah, I had a great time at Art Center. It was the time of my life. But um, while I was there, they have a fab lab there. And um, I just remember standing outside of the window watching the CNC uh, in between classes. What, and just CNC is like the... Yeah, it's a CNC machine. It's um, oh, gotcha. what I use in my videos to, to do my carvings. And um, at Art Center, they were, they were uh, usually uh, machining prototypes for cars because they have a really good transportation design program. Yeah, for sure. I've seen the videos and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, it's crazy. So ever since then, I kind of dreamt of of learning that process of uh, CNC machining. Nice. But um, yeah, it was a whole almost 10 year gap between when I was actually able to pick it up. Wow, that's crazy. Were you like shadowing people? Did you have like a mentor or someone like who you stayed with? How did you kind of well, initially break into you know using the equipment and getting on the radar? Well, my 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 father and my grandfather were uh, brick masons and wow. um that's so cool in the 70s and 80s they transitioned into manufacturing products uh, like stones and blocks instead of masonry contracting and mm-hmm. and they always did everything manually by hand as far as chiseling and sculpting and so i was always watching my my dad develop products when i was uh, when i was young and he did everything by hand and and seeing the CNC machine at Art Center really just kind of... You were like, this is my opportunity to show dad. Yeah. <laughs> show dad my skills. That's awesome. It, it opened my eyes to the possibilities of what that could do for our family business. Absolutely. That's so cool. Are, are they super proud of what you're doing now? Or Well, my grandfather passed the while I, while I was in uh, high school. But, oh, sorry to hear but that. yeah, my dad has definitely caught on to the thing. It, it, it took me a while to get him to catch on to it but he's all he's all into it now was there like a certain video or like a certain um no i mean i mean really the journey getting to to what i'm doing now is kind of a convoluted uh, zigzaggy journey but um for sure after when i graduated art center the recess the recession had just hit oh man and um nobody was hiring i had a really hard time getting a foothold well, as at Art Center, I worked at NASA uh, at JPL down the street, mm-hmm. producing uh, internal videos for them, and I did some work for them after I graduated. But they had a hiring freeze, so I wasn't able to have a career there. Right. And um, I had some opportunities with some TV networks, but they didn't really pan out. So I ended up having to move back home because my credit cards are maxed out and. I just couldn't sustain living in Los Angeles anymore. Been there, man. Been there. A yeah. lot of people are there, by the way. If people are listening and they're in that position, you're creative. That's like kind of normal. 
yeah, early, was, early on in your, <laughs> I mean, you should try and be financially responsible, but you know, for, yeah. uh, for the creative people that are, that are kind of just entering, it's pretty common. Yeah, it was, it was really difficult uh, mm-hmm. to say goodbye. I really miss it there. I was in Long Beach the other week to see a, a piece of mine, um, hung up in a lobby at the Westin wow. Long Beach. That's crazy. And, and I was just, I love it there. I really want to go back there more often. But um, I think, so you, yeah. I, think you, I, I could totally see you doing it. Maybe one day you'll have two houses. Dude, yeah. you're, you're blowing up lately too. I've, 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 people love your work when I posted it. My, fr- my friends like literally messaged me and were like, who is this guy? When are you talking to him? Make this happen. So well, it's, you're turning it's, the corner, man. It's surprising because I, I started these videos, making these videos, they're really for myself because mm-hmm. I had like my nightly routine was watching the videos of CNC machines on YouTube. and <laughs> That's cool. And, though. Uh, That's your thing. We, though. That's we, the thing you like to vibe yeah. out with. That's cool. And we would just cool. um, gotten our, our large CNC machine. I had little self-built ones before, but um, I was I've watched hundreds of these videos and I, I never really saw any CNC videos that were would produced right. in a way that was like a, a narrative, mm-hmm. I, I suppose, with sound effects and, and music and yeah, it's very auditory. I, the the I, sounds are masterfully done. I think that's part of like what really got me got my attention because I was like, this is very cool visually, and then the audio. Uh, there was so much thought behind it. I think this is actually how I found you. I think was it uh, if you hire process video wasn't there like- uh, one of those two when that uh, in april when yeah when they reposted that uh, my technicolor landscape video i was there's was a point where i was getting a few hundred follows every second wow that's it was so crazy it was pretty crazy i was, I was one of those people hopping on the bandwagon yeah <laughs> you've been slaving away just trying to make the perfect was, wooden sculpture it was fascinating because um a few times now i've been lucky enough to to study how a viral video spreads Mm -hmm. and at what rate that it starts like the first few hours you can almost predict when and how it's gonna peter out over the next few days it's it's really interesting but i definitely have a formula that it's pretty tried and true at this point the the videos that i've used used my you know cnc video formula on uh, the the views and the engagement is probably do you, a thousand percent do you tag over. people? How how much outreach are you doing with this stuff? Like, are you reaching out to like Cheddar or to like big companies? Um, or like, um, what's the other one that's always out there? There's Cheddar, Glad you know, um, Bible. Yeah, we have one of those. Yeah, I've, I've usually they approach me now, but before right. I would, if I had a good video um, and I had a some good insights for the first, I don't know, 12 hours, I would just send them the video and a screenshot of the insights showing them how, how well it was doing. But wow. But now I'm finding that, um, they're coming to you, man. I don't really have to do that much anymore. That's but awesome. I definitely have a few reposters that definitely always like to post my stuff because it does so well for them. So yes, exactly. How did that come about? The thing with the mountains? I'm so curious to know. I think I was inspired by um, studying GIS, which is Geographic Information System at, at architecture school, and that's just mm. kind of the field of, of mapping and and visualizing things spatially. Um, that it's like so modern cool. day modern day cartography. But um, oh, and so cool. one of the things that you can process in GIS is uh, elevation models and elevation data. And I saw a few things at architecture school where 
where uh, people make their um, their models of their site and their buildings and right. really nice topography in it. And and I knew that you could get some really high resolution data from USGS. And from then on, I always just really wanted to try to machine a mountain exactly to scale, um, highly wow. accurate because um, why not? I don't know. It's just Dude, hell yeah. That's one of the so things cool. you can't really get more detailed right. than carving the earth. I don't know. Yeah. It's it, even like as, more accurate than a map in a way because it's like yeah. real, real time information about something that's actually there. Yeah. yeah I, and, I get, I get that. I think that's super rad. And some of the elevation models I work with in order to get all the detail in it, I'd need to carve it with a, a needle and it's just that dense. The data is that dense. So really fascinating. So and, that's what that second layer is, right? When it sweeps over, that's the needle. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's my favorite but part. It's not, it's hardly a needle. That's like a, uh, I don't know. I use, usually use a sixteenth of an inch uh, end mill, so that's wow. Definitely not a needle, but they yeah, have yeah. bits that are needle, but it would take days to do. But um, that's so I, easy. I want, I always wanted to do that. I did a few experiments on my my self built DIY machines, and and I had never, I sort of wanted to come up with something that I had never seen before. So I I glued up some some wood layers. Of, the first one I did was hardwood layers, right. and I and I machined it, and I and I shot a video of it. I had I hadn't picked up a camera in about ten years since film school, because once I moved back from LA, I kind of lost my drive for that. I was kind of right. my soul my soul was a little bit shattered. I just didn't. <laughs> I thought I thought I'd just give up. It, there wasn't a chance. It's okay. Anymore. I gave up photography for like two years. I mean, it, it's yeah. like the love of my life outside of you know outside like my wife like photography. I feel like. I'm a designer, but like, you know, on my most like altruistic day where I'm like in my happiest place, like in my like yeah. knee state, I'm like holding my camera, shooting manually Definitely. and like, you know, like Definitely. the magic hour. But yeah, after college, I was like, fuck photography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now I'm back out of like a, a, you know, a sponsorship with a photography company and everything. It's really cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, living... I think I saw that. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, I just, you know, really kind of living the dream. But for a while there, I was, uh, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been out of school for a year or two and you have that little thing. Go revisit that thing. Yeah. Go see the old fling in the, the cre creative sense. Kind of a millennial rut that. Yeah, man. Everybody seems to have going through like at John one Mayer point. John Mayer says it might be the quarter life crisis. You know. What yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I, I made that uh, the layered hardwood. It was like a, a valley in Colorado, and the tool company that makes the bits ended up licensing that from me for their YouTube page and nice and they're gonna post that last May and and I hadn't been on social media for about five years or so so I thought I better start an Instagram page so it looks like I exist yeah because it was a pretty good video and I wanted people to be able to find me wow and um and I posted a version of that video that was crammed into a one minute long it was like a two and a half minute long right. with music but I took the music off and just had the sound effects. Good move. Good move. Because 99% of the people wouldn't do that. And they would be like, it has to have music. No, I think it's so captivating I've, because I've it actually, doesn't have music. I've actually found, I have a theory. I, don't, I haven't been able to prove it yet. I have a theory that the algorithm doesn't like music. No, it does not. Yeah. Because every time I post something with music, it, it does statistically a lot worse than. Yeah. So I don't know if that's an algorithm thing or a, a, an audience thing. So that that video took off and right away that went viral, but mostly got stolen because at the at the time I only had like maybe 200 followers, so mm -hmm. a lot easier to 
to steal a video and not watermark it or give credit because yeah you kind of have to it's it's kind of predatory but anyways yeah um so that spread everywhere and um i was i went on a business trip and for some reason my instagram app was bugged and i wasn't getting alerts for messages and so i got back from this business trip and unilad and board panda were just like trying to contact me on email and phone and facebook and wow every platform and they they wanted to i forget if they wanted to license it or just share it but um wow. that's so cool do you ever think about doing like a live demonstration yeah actually um on the weekends when i have a chance i do kind of a live story nice it's not it's not like the live feature but um right i'll shoot a segment and then i'll set up the next segment to to record and then i then I'll upload it and record narration, and so there's about half an hour delay, but it's right. kind of live. That's good. And, that's pretty cool, though. And those go over really well. When I do it on the weekends, I usually get about one to two million impressions on my stories. That's insane. That's awesome, bro. They're, should, they're, I can't help but think that there could be a a, a spot for like a like a podcast there. Like well, you've got yeah. to like during that time where I would yeah. imagine it takes a long time. Like put I've a podcast thought, right in there. I thought about that because um, you got to do it. I'll, I'll show footage of the CNC machine working and I, I shoot one frame every second. So usually this footage is about three minutes long right? instead of like the 30 seconds that I cram it into. But um, how long does it, t- does it take? Like if you're going to do like one of those rainbow mountains, how long does that take in real time? About six or seven hours. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you got to have a podcast. You could have people come over. You could like try different craft beers. Yeah, I can totally so see it, dude. You I thought about having having guests while that footage is playing, just kind of talking to them. Great. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I will repost it. We can make it a huge party. I think it'll be really fun. But it's kind of turned into a weird because I could do IGTV, but the I kind of like the story format because it's it's temporary. It kind of right. reminds me of the way television used to be. Yeah, where for sure. it's kind of an event and it happens and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like you got to be there, sort of thing. Yeah, and the more I do it, the more more people watch them. And yeah. I don't, I don't tag my stories or anything. So what I get from it is a good idea of retention um, of sure. the of the whole story because um, it's it's pretty organic the way people find it. Because otherwise, if you're not following me, you really right it's not exactly. Pop up for you. Yeah, do you have like a captive audience or kind of just like already there? Yeah, social media is pretty cool when you start to think about how it can be utilized and scaled and stuff like that. So outside of that, I know you're um, you're a product designer. You do motion graphics. You kind of yeah. have a little bit of, a, of that side. So what's that side of your, your life like? Well, the motion graphics part happened when uh, one of our clients at our company, um, they, they license uh, technology and sell products at, at Lowe's, the garden center at Lowe's. Yes. But um, they needed some how-to videos made on how to install uh, walls and block. And um, and I said, oh, I could I could do an animation for that. And I I didn't know how to animate. So <laughs> I told them I could do it. And then I taught myself how to do it for the project. It took probably four times the the amount of time that it, that it should. But um, You did it, though. So I did it. I finished the first one. Then they wanted another one. And then they wanted three, and, this time. and then they wanted six, and and you know I think I did ten to twenty episodes. I don't know, wow, but that's so crazy. So that that was a 
yeah, I learned animation by doing those projects and, and that's just kind of stuck, but mostly I do it for myself now Yeah. from, for my projects. A question that I feel like a lot of people probably want to know is what do you do with, you know, the mountains and everything? Like, what do you do with them afterwards? Do you sell them? Do you have art shows? Can I have one? Um, yeah, like this. I've probably <laughs> gotten a, a, at least a thousand people wanting to buy one one of my landscapes, but um, right now they're I'm looking at all of them piled up on a table. Um, I haven't sold any yet. The I'll, only thing I'll help I, you sell them on Meet the Creators if I can get yeah. a little a small one. A little well, turd. what I, what I've been trying to figure out it's a difficult problem because I want to be able to do uh, custom locations for people because these videos kind of have made people kind of dream of you know what they'd get made yeah you know the, the places that are important to them and and oh, i've learned that so cool. that like we're the all house you grew up in yeah oh my yeah god yes i've learned that we're all really connected to place yes Just the idea of place with the capital p I, I get you know i got an email once from from a, a father who's uh whose dad passed away he had climbed denali and he wanted to teach his sons about you know his dad and the adventures he went on and he and he said is there you know, can I get a model of Denali made? I'd, it would mean so much to my family if we were able to, to hold it and touch it and, and just kind of talk about grandpa. Right. And um, so I get really touching emails and messages and I've been trying to figure out how to automate this process because, you know, you got to talk to the, to the person, you got to figure out where they want, you know, what the story is behind it, how to crop it. I've got to model it and then I've got to, do the material, put it on the machine, and, and that'll take, you know, that could take a few days uh, if I did the kinds of, of things that I do now. Right. And um, I have, I had a, I have a waiting list sort of on my website, and there's hundreds of people on that. So I, if I started that today, forever. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. It would take me years to get through it. So I really need to come up with a system that is easy to get online, order your landscape. So I get something that just like a, a list of what I need, the material, the dimensions, throw it on the machine and go. And, um, you were on just, some future shit right here. This is so crazy. This is like, it's out there. It's, a, it's amazing it. though. It's the most incredible, like one of the coolest things I've ever heard of anyone doing like for real, I'm in terms of like unique, cool projects as a creative professional that you could do. I've talked to some pretty ridiculous people and I think this is like the most, well, it's, incredible it's so awesome i'm definitely passionate about it and my most recent project i kind of i think i'm onto something i i made something really small it's only about oh you're onto something bro you're you you already have the the thing is right well, there it's how do you it's only that? It's, like a it's only two and three quarter inches right. and i i carved mount damavand in iran that's their their tallest peak mm -hmm. and it turned out really nice i used um, my bantam machine from bantam tools and the topography turned out so great, I decided to make a base for it. And I had always wanted to make a base, the strata that was to scale as far as how thick that crust is in that area of the, the earth. Right. And so that in that case, it was about four inches tall. Wow. So I've, there's this, I have this four inch tall, four by two and three quarters. And I made it out of a, a material called rich light. And it's 65% recycled paper and 35% phenolic resin. So it's 
really hard and dense. And when you hold this thing, it's got some weight to it. Wow. And that's so cool. And you can amazing. hold it. It's not like a, a thin piece of, you know, material. It's a solid hunk of earth that you can hold in your hand and, and look at and from every angle. It's really interactive. And it's something that you can put on a shelf or a table or a desk. And it's something that you could collect too. Wow. Um, I could see people collecting these things. So I'm definitely going down that route as far as um, that size and that that sort of um, really high quality right. um, product. Something that's scalable and doesn't take yeah. 10 hours. Yeah, that's crazy though. Um, do you, what, what do you think the future of, um, I know this is a pretty broad question and obviously it's going to, um, I can have multiple answers, but you know, in terms of, in terms of 3D printing, what do you think the future looks like? And um, for people that maybe aren't so much in that space, like what have you heard? What um, <laughs> for people that are kind of like dumb like me and like haven't really well, looked into it? What is what do you think is going to happen? What are, the next ten years? What does that look like? Well, it's really taking off. I mean, but the thing is, 3D printing has been around since the 80s, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until recently when um, you know the early, I guess we call it 2010s. Um, a lot of patents expired that, um, you know, big 3D printing companies had. So once they expired, there's this whole movement of makers building their own 3D printers and and making 3D printing products like MakerBot. And um, right. there's there's some others. But um, so everybody thought it was going to be this huge re- revolution, which it is. But I think everything in the 2010s, like VR, 3D printing, everything kind of took a little bit longer to take off than we all thought mm-hmm. drone delivery like by this point we were supposed to have you know thousands of drones in the yeah. air above us but so things definitely aren't moving as quickly as everybody said they were um mm-hmm. but i think people are also seeing how much it it costs to you know to fund things i mean that you look at someone like yeah. Elon musk and you you know even if you have unli- seemingly un- unlimited resources People yeah. still gotta make it. It still needs to like same kind of thing you're dealing with, just on a larger scale. And and my my knowledge of three D printing and 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 CNC machining is is pretty narrow. I mean, I, I I'm pretty well versed in what's going on. I I try to keep up in it, but it's pretty focused on what it is that I want to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, three D printing has gotten to the point where you know I made uh, like a bracket system yesterday and today for a, an upcoming project and you know my my little $800 3D printer made made some parts that were fantastic i mean they were perfect wow so it's really that, i think it's going to really change it up that'll be the, I think the first like the automotive industry kind of thing yeah so it's really affordable it's really easy to to get into and i think that's the big deal is that it's it's accessible and i think that's the 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 important thing that's happen, happening right now. And for, it's been going on for a few years now. Right. For people that are looking to get into that, like I know like when I worked at Huge, there was a, um, uh, 3D printing available there and people would like to kind of mess around. They called it like the garage or whatever and they would mess around with it there. I've seen at Google and Facebook, they've uh, kind of allowed, they, they have, I've seen at Google and Facebook, they have, you know, 3D printing centers and stuff like that and yeah. encourage their employees to try it, which is cool, but... For uh, people that may not be in those posi- positions that have, you know, those kind of uh, toys, so to speak, what's a, a good place to, 
to go if you're kind of like looking to get into this sort of thing? Um, well, I always get asked um, how, how you get started with CNC machines. And there's a lot of really great self-built machines out there like uh, X cars from Inventable. Inventables, um, Shapeco, or yeah, Shapeco from um, Carbide 3D, mm-hmm. and you buy these kits, and and roughly they, how much is that? They range. Uh, Sorry, depend, <laughs> depending on. I'm the sure si- people want to know. So no, yeah, no, I just yeah. Have to do the question. Yeah. They range depending on the size. I don't know what they are now, but I think anywhere from a few hundred bucks to maybe twelve hundred dollars, depending on the size. But that's not bad. It's not bad at all. I just paid and, like $2,000 for my for my new laptop. Yeah, and so you get it, all the parts, it's all apart. You got to put it together, but um, the documentation's great. And um, you you learn the whole technology and the concept and the terminology as you're building it. This is probably... By, by default. So it's a really good way to get into it and yeah. also learn about it. For sure. A lot, a lot better than buying one pre-built, in my opinion. That's yeah, I could see that. It's a little bit more and, like you have to kind of learn the, the ropes of it. To a and same approach. Same with three D printing, which is also CNC. It's it's um works on the same language. It, instead of taking a material away, it adds material, and it it pretty much the controller sends X Y and Z commands, and it goes to those points, and and there you go. So it's it's the same technology. Three D printing and CNC machining are are the same thing. Because I look at like the, the the mountain, for example, I look at that and think to myself, like, it's got to be incredibly difficult. You have to be really good at math. You have to know a whole bunch about computers. Uh, you have to be some like MIT type, you know, art center college of design type character. Uh, but I know that like the the details is is like just like data. How much of that is just like kind of typing it in and it just kind of like plops out? And then how much of it is, you know, like uh, um, engineering and scale and, and, and stuff like that? And and what is the learning curve like? Like if you gave somebody the machine, like the one that mm-hmm. you used to make it, how long before that person could have well, that same output? Or do, you, or do you have to know all this different stuff? There's a lot of different factors. I mean, there's there's ways to, there's websites where you can type in your coordinates and it'll spit out a 3D printable model for you. Right. Um but then there's like those, actual coding. Those are pretty low resolution usually. But um, yeah. as far as what you need to know, I mean, you got to know how to use your machine. You got to know how to carve certain materials, like what feed rates. They're called feed rates, which is how quickly the bit is moving through the material. You need to know okay. what your machine can take, what the material can take, and the, the finishing that looks good and what doesn't. Um, Do they break the... the- the, the screw that when it goes in there does that does that break off like if, if you get they, it wrong if you get it wrong is, they can break definitely but um and how much does that cost like they can the they breaks. can run up to you know 50 to 100 dollars each see see this is what this is what, this is what i don't know this is so cool <laughs> so um so and also on the computer side if you want to like get the raw data from usgs which is a uh, publicly available mm-hmm. since it's a government agency right I mean, you got to know a little bit about GIS software, mm-hmm. uh, different uh, projections, uh, different uh, coordinate systems. Um, if you want to do it exactly to scale, if you're not worried about scale or you know the height of things, the elevation of things, you really don't need to get into all that. But right. I, I really like to make things exactly to scale, so it's a 
exact replica of, of that location. Yeah, for sure. That'd be so and, cool. um, sometimes the data available isn't good at all. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've kind of come up with some techniques to, to enhance it nice. and make it look like it, it's a lot more high resolution than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like a smoothing sort of situation. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And it's a lot of just converting, converting units and scaling and. Oh, see, and, that's uh, where I'd be out. I have terrible I, math skills. I would not be able to do any of that. I definitely picked that up at architecture school. Just scaling things. Um, yeah. So you got to be kind of a engineering academic, like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm out. There goes my dream. <laughs> well, one, one day uh, I want you to set everything up, and then I'll just hit the start button. That'd be well, really I, cool. <laughs> I get asked all the time if I could do tutorials and in. I've, I'm coming up with a way to 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 do it for people that's easy. That's not the complicated process that I go through. So I'm, I'm working on that uh, process so I can teach people how to do it for themselves that's eventually. Cool. It's well, one of my most most requested thing is, is just like a tutorial on how to do it. When you make those videos, like what kind of gear are you using and... When did you really start to take the production value kind of to the next level and um, explain that journey of like how you figured out how to film everything? Well, I had, I've always been really into production value at, at art center. I shot all my films on 35 millimeter, which I was really lucky to do because that was right at the cusp of when HD was surpassing as far as quality and, and, um, affordability. It was passing film. So I shot everything on 35 um, I've always really just, I think it's just kind of an art center thing where you really need to, your work really needs to be polished and they really drive that into you when you go to art center. Right. And, um, yeah, it's intense there. I was there for like a, like a live podcast and they were like super intense with me. I was like, Whoa, I didn't even yeah. know I was coming here. <laughs> Very intense. And I, yeah. and I learned color correction at Technicolor by watching really talented colorists color my film. Nice. Uh, which is what it's called. I mean, it the way it looks on the negative is far from how it looks on the screen. And and these these colorists at Technicolor, I mean, they're they've got these huge consoles with knobs and buttons and and scroll wheels, and they're just a, an extension of themselves. I mean, you can ask for a certain look, and they'll just their hands will just go everywhere. Wow. It's like playing a piano, and then there it is, perfect on the screen for you. So I picked wow. up a lot there, and um. I picked up a lot of cinematography from DPs that I worked with. Um, I, I'm kind of a sponge. I I really watch people when I work with them, and and especially if they're really talented, I I really kind of observe like how they act, their decisions, why they make their decisions, and I and I, I like to pick up on things. But and I've kind of just taken that with me, and and but I set up my my shoots kind of like a I'm in a photography studio, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I shoot at night. So, so a permanent setup, or you kind of just set it up every time? or? Yeah, I, I, I shoot at night, so it's dark, so I can pretty much set it up like a studio, the way I learned how to you know, shoot in a studio at Art Center. Mm-hmm. It, um, not with flashes, with hot lights. Right. And, and I, I light my landscapes like a, like a portrait, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could tell that. I saw that right away. It was so cool. Yeah, they're key. I got my key and my fill and a little bit of backlight and yeah, that's it's awesome. Pretty pretty basic setup, but 
gets the job done. Looks good. Yeah. Looks really good. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, man. Where can people find you online? Your Instagram is ridiculous. Uh, My Instagram handle just at dom.rigobene. R-I-C-C-O-B-E-N-E. Cool. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you doing this. And uh, we'll get together soon. Yeah, I enjoyed speaking with you. Yeah, no worries. Likewise. Cheers, buddy. All right. Yeah, have a good night. Yeah, see you. Lights. No, I can't sleep until I